Welcome to the Travel Pulse Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Bowman, the executive editor of TravelPulse.com. Today is Wednesday, December 22nd, a special Wednesday episode here, and perhaps the first ever Wednesday episode, but that's because it's the final show of 2021 as we are recapping what a wild year it was in the travel industry. It's also the 150th episode of the Travel Pulse Podcast, so thank you for tuning in. And uh, this show began with Mark Murphy um, a couple years ago. He sold the company to uh, North Star Travel in 2019. And then I took over the show initially with Dan Callahan at the end of 2019. Um, We did it all through 2020, not knowing what was ahead of us with the pandemic. Uh, Then Dan left at the beginning of 2021 to chase his dream of comedy. Uh, And now I've been writing solo ever since then. Uh, so I thank you so much for listening anytime and I'd love for you to leave a review wherever you're listening and that's iTunes or Spotify, Google, whatever. You can also email me your feedback podcast at travelpulse.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. We got a great show coming up today. Joining me on the podcast now is Steven Scott, CEO of Travel Hub 365 and the Odyssey Travel app. Welcome back to the show, Steven. Thank you, Eric. It is good to be with you. Yeah. So you were on in like 2020 uh, talking about a little luxury travel stuff. So it's good to have you back here. Uh, just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your work in the travel industry. Uh, sure. Uh, thank you. So yes, I uh, am a uh, travel advisor at heart and have been in the industry, uh, travel industry now for the last uh, 17 years. Uh, so um, I've had time at uh, United Airlines for about four and a half years. Uh, I spent uh, five years at uh, Royal Caribbean, and um, I have uh, spent another six and a half years now uh, working here uh, to build my company from from scratch uh, to be a luxury travel advisory team. And we've just built a, a new travel app that uh, we just launched this week. So it's been uh, an exciting ride, uh, but I've learned a lot along the way. That's awesome. Yeah, a few different sectors there bouncing around and on the advisor side now. So uh, so for today's show, yeah, it's going to be a bit different than usual. Uh, we'll still talk about some of the things that happened in the news recently and the trending stuff and everything. But, you know, it's recapping 2021. It's, it was a wild year. So first, uh, we're going to start off. We're going to take it way back to January and the Q1 changes as change was a constant in 2021. Um, so January, you know, it started off with some optimism on future bookings. COVID cases were a little high, but vaccines were uh, coming and uh, already being issued to some people out there. And it kind of felt like by summer that we'd be out of this. Uh, Q3 and Q4 bookings were looking pretty good from a lot of advisors I had talked to at the time, I remembered. I went on a panel and, you know, was talking about how Q3 and Q4 should be a pickup and, you know, we'll be out of this and we'll be back and we'll be moving forward and yada, yada, yada. You know, then the big change drops towards the end of January and the Biden administration set new COVID test rules for travelers entering the, U- the U.S. Um, you had to have a negative COVID test. Um, within like three days of arrival. And that has obviously now since changed uh, to 24 hours, which happened not too long ago. Uh, but yeah, the Biden administration set that in and it was fears of 20, March 2020 2.0, if you will. Uh, if you remember all the lockdowns of, of that, that time and the craziness then. Uh, so that was a bit of a fears by some travel advisors out there when it initially happened. But, you know, the industry adapted and moved forward. All-inclusive resorts jumped quick and began to step up and, and set up testing on site for guests to be able to secure that required test to get back into the U.S. And that helped them along the way, which you saw Mexico and the Caribbean pretty much dominate the international travel scene throughout the year. So, Stephen, what was that moment like for you back in January? you have any big takeaways from Q1 for you? Yes. You know, it, this was just uh, such a, a turbulent time um, for, for all of us, uh, not only from uh, a travel advisory uh, or, or a sourcing side, but uh, also the consumer. Um, and, you know, with everything that happened, it was just an up and down and up and down 
uh, a moment in time. And it felt like every booking you ever made, all of a sudden you're working on it again. You're, you're back in that booking, trying to do additional research that um, you didn't have to do before because everyone wanted to call you at the same exact time to try and figure out what was going to either happen with their trip, uh, what needed to change with their trip, or um, what uh, differences are going to occur because of their choices, right? Their, their choice to either, you know, be vaccinated or not be vaccinated. The travel advisor has to be able to manage that. Um, and so uh, I think this moment in time really reinforced the need for a travel advisor. Um, if you weren't using one before, uh, this was that moment in time that said, hey, I, I need help. Um, I'm uncertain on how this is going to work. Um, but I applaud the hotels that uh, back when the changes occurred, I applaud the hotels that jumped up and said, we're going to offer testing on site. We're going to help you with getting back into the U.S. Um, because there was such a, a, a scarcity of information at that point. And when they jumped up to do that, I think it gave us all the confidence to, to get back out there to the Caribbean and to Mexico again. So it was great. Yeah, it kind of uh, added a little bit of peace of mind for some of the travelers out there and the advisors that the all-inclusives were able to do that because that was a big sector of travel. And you had a lot of people in 2020 that, you know, just didn't travel at all and were looking to travel in 2021. They were making their bookings. They'd been saving money in 2020 if they could. And then you had that happen. And then it's just so kind of a whole wave of fear again. And uh, so, yeah, kudos to those all-inclusive resorts. I think they really benefited from that. And they also, you know, to be able to offer to pay for your quarantine if you do get uh, COVID positive on site, you know, they would, a lot of the all inclusives there said that they would take care of you. And, and they did that for, for a number of people, uh, which, you know, there are worse places to be stuck for 14 days and quarantined. Um, I think an all inclusive would be a pretty sweet spot, I guess, if, if you had to do it. So that's right. Um, that's right. And so, you know, you, you want to um, ensure that, you know, from a, a travel side, you want to ensure that you know that your hotel is going to do X, Y, or Z. And so there's a thousand hotels out there, um, but you're the one on vacation. So, you, you know, you have to try and figure out which one's going to do the best. So that almost became uh, a selling point for certain hotels and resorts to be able to say, if something happens, we have a place for you to stay and look at our beautiful place. Right. right. So um, I, I, you know, I completely heard uh, some of the sales managers, you know, say, Hey, look what we can do for you. Book, book your guests here. So it was, it was a good, good time. Yeah. And, you know, as we got into the spring after that, you know, vaccines became more widely available throughout th that time. Uh, I was double vaxxed in April, just before attending the first global travel event of the pandemic era. That was the world travel and tourism council's global summit, which was in surprise, surprise Cancun. <laughs> and had to, they had to postponed. It was like the 20th anniversary and they postponed and postponed again. And then uh, it was supposed to be in March and then ended up getting postponed to April. Uh, but it, it did signal kind of the return of conferences and events in the industry. It was a big deal. Uh, you know, obviously new rules in place as we know there are new rules in place. Uh, so much has happened with new rules in place over the last two years now. Um, but yeah, the event had testing on site and required all attendees to test negative on site before it even began. So as soon as you showed up, that was like the first thing you had to do was go get your negative COVID test so that you could actually attend the event. And I believe it was only like a very tiny fraction of a couple positives there. So, I mean, it, it served its purpose, you know, so, and also masks were required throughout the event. So I know Steven, you've, you've done some industry events on this year. What's your takeaway from uh, kind of the new conference experience? And obviously it's not going to remain what it is now, but I mean, I think we're still going to see a little bit of that in 2022. That's right. Uh, it was surprising at how easy it was. 
So um, I attended uh, two major conferences kind of early on. Uh, one was the Arabian travel market uh, in Dubai. Um, and that was considered to be one of the very first global conferences to bring people in from all over the world. Um, and they were so high tech, obviously Dubai, but they were just so incredibly high tech with how we had to uh, manage everything and function. Uh, so it was very impressive in how easy it was. But yes, I had to um, provide uh, not only vaccination, but yes, then the testing uh, within a certain amount of days of arrival. Uh, all of that had to be uploaded into the system. Someone reviewed it um, and then it was sent back. Um, but other than that um, and wearing a mask uh, throughout the different times, uh, it was the same as before. And it was almost more exciting because people were back. We were, right, we right. were back selling again. We were back talking to each other again and uh, making deals and selling travel. Um, and then the tea fest event was uh, you know, it's unique in its own outright. Um, and uh, we uh, did a very similar thing. And uh, I think it went off without a hitch. We actually had a very, very good time. So, um, and then virtuoso, of course, uh, that's a large event, but I could tell it was scaled down. Um, and, uh, that had a requirement as well. So, um, yes, I, I've been to multiple events. Um, I'm excited to see them come back. Um, but we still have a bumpy road, um, because there are, uh, large events that may not be travel related. Uh, those large events, even with Omicron, uh, are, are starting to pull back, uh, from having those events, uh, partly because some of those events are not requiring vaccination. Um, and so therefore they're, open to more issues uh, if they have the event. But uh, those events that are requiring vaccination seem to be uh, continuing. They're still they're still happening. And I think that's that's really the route that needs to happen. Yeah, it's been a tough go for, you know, the business travel side of things and that so much of that relies on meetings and events and connecting. And it was good, you know, to connect back in person with a lot of people, but there's still a bit of a hybrid virtual element to a lot of these events. And I think we're still going to see that in the early going of next year too. But, you know, I, I think it's a it's a good thing to finally get these back in the mix. And uh, yeah, you're going to have certain requirements and eventually we'll get away from all of that. But for, for right now, that's that's the plan. That's what you have to go to. And yeah, Stephen and I got to uh, connect and meet in person at the Travis earlier this year too, um, back in, in November. And that was a good time as well. And uh, it's attached to Cruise World too, which was a good event. But yeah, I think events and, and conferences are, are so key to the success of the travel industry and to be able to connect in person is is so much more impactful than, you know, doing things through through Zoom. So I think the industry is going to continue to try to do what they can to make sure that a lot of those keep happening because they they, they are very important to the industry. So uh, great. And I, I will definitely add the, the hybrid model. Um, I think it's actually going to stick around a lot longer um, because what it has enabled us to do it allows conferences to not simply be the 500 people that always attend the conference, the 500 people that always travel to the conference. Now, all of a sudden, they've been able to expand out to a much larger audience of people who couldn't make those trips. And now that audience that uh, either they just didn't attend at all, they're now attending those conferences. They're, they're, uh, those people that never knew what the conference was about, they're now attending the conference virtually, and that will cause them, I believe, to say, you know what, next time I can go or next time it's open uh, in person, I'm going because look at this amazing event. I never knew it was like that. So I think the hybrid model will stick around a little longer, but it's helping to introduce more people to that conference environment and that networking. And I think uh, that will benefit us all. Interesting. Yeah, I think 
it'll stay for some, but I, I do I do, do think that there will be some that want the exclusivity of like being in person and solely in person and, and not any sort of hybrid model or any virtual component attached to that so that you, uh, it's more of a, like I said, exclusive event type of thing. So I think you'll see some of that, but yeah, I think for, it kind of depends on the event and the company as well. But yeah, the, the virtual aspect is, is key because you can bring in more people and more eyes, which, you know, can help lead to uh, more more dollars and cents out there that uh, the industry loves so much. Um, agreed, agreed. Yeah. So transitioning on to summertime, the big uh, kickoff was uh, for summer uh, was the Europe uh, reopening. It opened reopened in June for a couple of destinations. I think Spain and like France were the, some of the early ones there. The that kind of led to uh, vac- you had to have a vaccine. To, um, you had to be vaccinated to get in. Excuse me. So it was a, a vaccine mandate was in place for a lot of those places. Uh, lots of paperwork involved. Again, that, you know, at, put, put more value on the travel advisor is, is very key in that and making sure that you're working with someone to kind of help you get through all that entire process. So, you know, Stephen, it, it was a wild ride for Europe travel, but uh, what was your experience like visiting? Um, did you visit Europe this year, I think? And then I know you've sold it and uh, sent some clients to to Greece and stuff too. So how was that experience for you on uh, Europe? Yes, I've, I've had clients to a couple different uh, countries and then uh, I myself uh, was in Paris um, and uh, it was um, my first time to France uh, to actually be and walk around. Um, my experience was uh, the I had a shop uh, a shopkeeper there. Uh, he sold uh, little trinkets and things over by the uh, Champs Elysees, and um, actually it was the Notre Dame Cathedral. And uh, he actually, when he found out we were from America, which happened pretty quickly. Um, he sold us what we needed. And then he gave us the biggest hug I've had from anyone I never knew. He was so excited to um, have uh, foreigners in his store again. The power Um, of travel, you know, pretty much right after the lockdown. So it was just, uh, just fantastic to, to have that experience. I'm sure many others are having great experiences as well. Yeah. That's the power of travel right there and connecting with people. I I love that. That's a great story. My, my, I didn't get to Europe until I did a river cruise at the end of, uh, no, yeah, the end of um, August. Sorry. And I did uh, with Alma Waterways. It was a new christening, a new ship there in the Alma Siena. It was a great experience going down the Rhine River, you know, a lot lot of paperwork to go through and you're hitting multiple countries on a river cruise, but it was much easier to do because I was part of the river cruise. If I tried to go to Europe on my own and like backpack it or anything like that, it was going to be a struggle. It's going to be a lot of headaches, you know, on one individual person. So making sure you do it with a tour operator or river cruise, I think was the key um, for Europe's initial reopening there. And I still think that's going to be the case too. And as we're Europe is dealing with Omicron and, and everything right now, it's kind of un, unknown how things were going to go there because they're still doing, you know, uh, restrictions and that's ever changing and everything. But uh, with Europe, yeah, it was it was much needed to uh, for for industry success to get that open and get that going again. And I know a lot of people really want to go there. It's on a lot of people's bucket lists. Um, less crowds right now, so some people that can afford it are are doing it. But you know, there's a lot of that worry as well because of uh, the variant, the new variant now, and then the restrictions that are in place. So it's it's still kind of a a tough go for Europe. There, I was hoping that you know we would have more of destinations open and wide and everything after Delta variant kind of went down a little bit, but now we got this new one, but well, I'm getting ahead of myself. We'll talk a bit more about Omicron and, and, you know, into 2022 in a bit, but continuing on with the summer push that there was, you know, summer holidays saw really big numbers. Memorial, uh, Memorial day was, was about, um, it wasn't, you know, what it used to be, but it was, it was a good push into it. And then we saw more finally hit that 2 million passenger mark in June. 
um, for the TSA um, screening passengers. And then, you know, July 4th was huge as well. But with July came the return of cruising, which, you know, the cruise industry has had a bit of a bumpy ride. You know, the smaller capacities, fewer guests on board was the initial wave there. Uh, they're starting to ramp up more and more passengers on board. Uh, but to me, that was a bit of a better experience and having a, a fewer passengers on board. So, Stephen, I know you have a big cruising background as well, previously working with Royal Caribbean, like you said. So what was your takeaway from cruising's return, you know, in, in the summer there and where they're at now? Yes. Uh, you know, I have been on three sailings and I'll be on my fourth in about a week and a half. Um, so I have uh, absolutely uh, gotten out there um, and uh, seen the changes that they've uh, made uh, to the guest experience. Um, and uh, you know what? I have had an absolute blast. I've uh, been able to get my family on board, uh, my parents on board, my children on board. Uh, we've done some uh, really good experiences along the way. Um, and then I've also been on uh, an adults only cruise line um, and uh, had an absolute great time. Um, and so I've seen kind of a spectrum of the family experience and the adult experience and then someone who's cruised before. Um, I'll tell you, the cruise lines are working very hard to make sure that they're doing what they can to keep things as organized as they can, keep it as uh, communicated as they can. And, uh, you know, knowing that it's it's practically unavoidable to uh, not have things occur, um, especially in this environment. But uh, I will tell you, they're working very hard. Uh, it's going to need a combination of, uh, you know, government support, uh, private sector support, um, the consumers, um, and uh, uh, each of us to be uh, personally responsible uh, to be able to, uh, you know, notify the cruise line or make adjustments if we have symptoms or we test negative, um, and then also uh, ensure that we're doing everything we can to um, plan in advance for uh, changes. Um, and so a lot of that um, is uh, working with uh, your advisor or your tour operator or the cruise line uh, to get things prepared in advance and then working with it along the way. But I will tell you, you definitely need to be flexible. Um, because itineraries are being adjusted by the minute. Um, just about an hour ago, I saw uh, Virgin Voyages just made an adjustment for practically an entire month of their itinerary. They're not going to be going to Key West uh, for one of their uh, sailing types uh, itineraries. And uh, they're going to be now switching that to Nassau. So how does that affect the cruiser? Do you cancel? Do you stay? Do you uh, make new adjustments? Do you have to do new shore excursions? Um, there's a lot happening. Um, so, um, but I will tell you, um, sailing with a smaller capacity was fantastic. It really, uh, everyone we spoke with said, how about we keep it like this? Right. <laughs> you know, when you're, when you're on a ship that has 60% capacity, you love it. You fall in love with it. You say to yourself, you know what? I've got room. Um, we, we, we're not on top of each other. Uh, there's plenty of space for everything we need to do. Um, it was beautiful. So um, this is a great time to cruise if you asked me. And uh, because if you wait for another year and everything's back to 100 and 105% capacity, yeah, yeah. hey, is that the experience you're looking for? I don't know. But uh, I think uh, right now is a great time. So uh, my recommendation to my clients is that next time we see a dip, we're going to see another dip. Hopefully it's not just a dip before it goes back up. But if it's another dip, book a short term experience. Don't book something that's six months out because you don't know what's going to be happening with yeah. the world. You know, book something, uh, kind of be prepared for the go. And uh, when it dips, that's a great time to go. Um, but if you book something six months or a year, you don't know what's going to happen. And the next thing you know, you're making changes. 
So uh, close in bookings, I think, is my recommendation. Yeah, I think that's a smart move too. As you said, you know, flexibility is key, and we had you had to be that way with cruising, and you're still going to have to be that way. You know, probably throughout the, all of 2022. Honestly, it's kind of tough to get. You know, there's such a stigma on cruising too, and they're they're like a bit more on edge. I feel like with how they react to what's going on in the world as far as this you know coronavirus and everything. But it is a safe way to travel. I've been on three cruises as well, Stephen, and I had a fantastic experience on all of them. I did like the the, the uh, fewer capacity there too. And I, I don't think that we'll see much of a change from cruise lines on fewer capacity. Like as soon as they can be hundred percent capacity, they're going to do it because they need that money back. But <laughs> right. I do hope that they're taking note of this and getting a lot. Cause people are, like you said, you know, your clients keep telling you that too. You're hearing a lot of feedback about, you know, fewer, fewer crowds on board is a better experience. So I'm hoping that they keep that in mind as they build the new ships for the future. Obviously there are ships that are still being built now and the designs are done, but as they're, you know, for 23 and yeah, 22, 23, probably 24 too, with some of those ships too. But as I think about 25 and beyond and, you know, sort of the future of cruising, what is it going to be? I really hope that there is a strong push to designing ships that cater to that. You know, maybe it is still a big ship, but maybe you reduce the number of rooms you know, that would obviously result in a little bit higher price tag to get on board in itself. But, you know, maybe the room is a bit bigger and in your standard cabin, in your standard balcony room to adjust that around. So there's a lot they can play with. And I hope they do take note of that. But uh, it remains to be seen what what they'll do on that front. But um, I hope they're listening on, on, on that. So, yeah, that's right. And, and I echo what you said. It is the safest way to travel. It is so um, they were already taking care of everything else they have to deal with. Yeah. Um, but now they've uh, taken all kinds of steps to make sure people are safe on board. Um, and you do have to kind of put it against other vacation types and say, is the resort I'm going to, uh, is everyone that walks in my resort, are they vaccinated? Are right. uh, everyone that walks into my resort, the cleaning guy, the, the uh, delivery man, is everybody in this building right now, are they all testing negative? You don't know that when you're at a large resort on the cruise line, you know, that, you know, every single person sitting on that ship is whatever it's supposed to be. Right, so, yeah. um, you know, I, uh, I applaud the cruise lines for uh, taking advantage of that situation. I think people are seeing that people understand that they say, Oh, if I take this cruise, 100% vaccinated, 100% tested. Um, and we're going to, you know, be in a safer environment than even if I went to Walmart right now. Right. Yeah. I don't know what Walmart. Is at, so yeah. So that, that's uh, that's the way to look at it. the transparency is there. And I, I, you have to applaud the cruise industry for, for do, you know, for staying on top of that. I mean, yeah, you're going to see headlines in the mainstream media about, you know, COVID case on board or whatever, but that, that's going to have you, you don't, like you said, you don't know that at a resort, you know, there could be multiple, there could, you know, there was what, 40 something on a real Caribbean ship recently. You could have had tons more at a, a different resort or at a hotel in a big city. You have no idea, but with the cruise line, they're, they're staying transparent and on top of that. So you have to give them kudos for that as well. But uh, yes. so yeah, that was, you know, summertime and, and the start of that and they've continued on. So things were looking pretty good there. Um, you know, in the summertime travel was kind of bouncing back and everything. And then we had the Delta variant emerged as summer closed out and, you know, it, it kind of led to more talk about, you know, vaccinated versus unvaccinated travel. It was a bigger topic, uh, kind of created, you know, the vaccine mandate debate here, uh, here in the U S as well too. And you still have politicians today, lawmakers still trying today to get a mandate in place for domestic air travel. I don't, I don't think that that'll happen. You know, that is 
up for debate and a lot of people have a lot of strong opinions about that and everything but that's kind of where we were with the delta variant emergence and and where we're still continuing on that now as we get into omicron so Stephen, how do you think the industry has handled vaccinated versus unvaccinated travel it's certainly a challenge that each travel advisor has had to face throughout the year and dealing with clients too how, how have you been handling that yeah it's um it, it's it's a situation where it can be difficult for a travel advisor if you don't communicate properly. So uh, what I mean by that is that uh, you you have guests already that are unvaccinated. Um, all of us do. Um, and so the, the important thing is to ensure that um, you're not pressuring them to do something left or right. Um, I, I didn't mean to say it like that, but you're not pressuring them to do uh, a certain thing. Um, and then if they communicate to you that they uh, you know, are unvaccinated, for example, um, it's something that you just need to absorb um, and find out from them what they're trying to do and then use your knowledge and education and travel to be able to guide them towards experiences that they can take. Um, it is incredibly difficult right now to try and find destinations that uh, someone can go to if they're unvaccinated or don't even want to take a test. There, there are definitely people out there that don't even want to take a test. So um, that's that's problematic. Uh, it's hard. Yeah. Um, and, you but, can't leave the country uh, to come back in because you, you have to get tested to come back in. So that, that makes yes, it extremely difficult. I, I, right. I've got, uh, you know, one of our, our favorite families, uh, they're unvaccinated and they said they will not be traveling anytime soon. And they, they were on six or seven cruises a year. Um, and so now they're not just not going to travel because they're unvaccinated. So if you multiply that times all of your customers that are like that, you, you've got a permanent loss of business for X amount of time. And then if we look at it from an industry standpoint, how much, how many of your customers are not leaving the U.S. or not going to the destinations that uh, they usually go to? Um, I think we're going to, we, we haven't really hit that point where as we've come to realization that that is actually occurring and it's going to occur much longer past 2022 and 2023, because um, I, uh, I think uh, it, it's about communication right now. We, we need to figure out how do we work with both sides of the spectrum and be successful. Um, but I have a feeling it's going to continue to tilt towards requiring vaccination or requiring testing at many of these different destinations that are hotspots for all of us. So, um, you know, I, I want everyone to be healthy um, and I want every travel advisor and supplier to be successful. Um, and right now we're in this point, whereas uh, it's hard to make all of those things work at the same exact time. Um, so, uh, but yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was easier uh, before the vaccine came out. It really was. Um, because we we didn't have to worry about the the half and half type of situation we're in right now. Um, now that there's this half and half, now you've got customers that uh, you just can't send them anywhere right now. It seems <laughs> like so. Uh, you know, I, I hope we can get past this and uh, we, we can move on. But first, we got to make sure everyone's healthy and safe because uh, there, there's too much uh, too much unhealthiness I see on Facebook right now with uh, friends and family and colleagues. Um, and uh, travel may be the last thing on their mind, and you don't want to hit them over the head with it. So, yeah, I agree on that. I, I think it plays off of that too, is you know, traveling responsibly too, and being a responsible traveler. And there's there's a key in that, and you know, that kind of 
with everything that's happened throughout the last two years and everything, you're still going to have that. And we're still going to see that in 2022 of the vaccinated versus the unvaccinated travel. That's not going to go away as long as these vaccine mandates are in place. You know, I really don't think that we'll get to a domestic air travel vaccine mandate, but the, there are um, lawmakers trying to push for that. And I know that if it did come to that, you know, there would be quite a lot of cancellations too. So We'll see what happens after the new year on that, because I think that that was on the table and discussed a little bit too, but I think the industry kind of knew that there would be a huge wave of cancellations right before the holiday time. And a lot of those businesses still wanted that money, you know? So what's going to happen in 2022 on that front kind of remains to be seen. But I think, you know, whether you're vaccinated or unvaccinated, you just need to come. If you're, you know, talking to your travel advisor and you want to do some sort of trip, I think you just have to be open. You have to be honest and you have to be, you know, willing to be flexible. It all goes back to that flexibility is key on that and, and, you know, making sure that you are a responsible traveler. That's great. Actually, we have a group going to South Africa that uh, the majority of the group is unvaccinated. Um, and so uh, we that booking was done. It was all set in stone and everything was ready to go. But now that uh, the Omicron variant has popped up, we've had to adjust almost everything on that trip. Um, yeah. And uh, the part that's not adjusting is the customer, right? They're not yeah. going to get vaccinated. Um, but we have had to do all of the work to try and figure out how do we adjust their trip uh, because flights have been canceling, uh, hotels have been putting up restrictions, um, and we've had to redo all of that. And I, I feel for all of the, the advisors out there and the suppliers that are having to do all this extra legwork, because uh, part of our goal uh, from a sales standpoint and a business standpoint is to work on a trip once, make your money, and you move on. Working on it 12 times, you still make the same amount of money, yeah. right? So um, it's an incredibly hard time. For, for all of us to try and manage this um, at this point. Um, and uh, I, I reach out and give my heart to everyone and I hope they're, they're working hard and getting some success from it. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I hope with that as well because the industry definitely needs it. So what the industry does not need more of though is the naughty passengers. So uh, that has been a challenge in the air travel sector is the rise of the unruly passengers. Um, they have just kind of like the Energizer Bunny. They've just been going and going and going ever since um, uh, 2020, and they've just kind of been on the rise. So I do have to, I do this every year. The worst of the worst for naughty passengers. I'll uh, quickly run through this. Um, so I don't want to spend too much time on this as we're uh, approaching almost 30 minutes here. But worst of the worst belongs to all those who attacked the crew. It happened way too much in 2021 of attacking flight attendants and beating up other passengers. Um, this one crazy one was a guy who possess was possessing methamphetamines who allegedly punched his seatmate and attempted to bite his ear off. Then you also mm -hmm. had the off-duty airline employee who allegedly threatened to take down the plane and attacked two flight attendants as uh, he was probably the second worst is what I would say. And then the worst of all is this crazy guy is the FAA recently proposed a $40,000 fine for this man accused of committing a bevy of crimes aboard a Southwest Airlines flight. And this was out of a out of control passenger was caught drinking alcohol that he brought on board before allegedly sexually assaulting a flight attendant, locking himself in the restroom and then smoking marijuana. He even resisted arrest when police boarded the plane to uh, upon the flight landing in San Diego to take him off. And you just, you hate to see, that. I mean, there's just some crazy people out there. And then the fact that, you know, you've had this ongoing and the FAA has issued fines and threatened to arrest people. Like there's just so much with it. So did you or your clients run into any naughty passengers in 2021, Stephen? And what do you think needs to be done to kind of end this trend? Yes. Uh, you know, it, it has been really bad. I mean, probably 
a quarter of my flights, I, I'm traveling a lot, as, as you know, um, I'd say a quarter of my flights has someone on it that was being unruly. It, it, it has been pretty bad. And uh, I, you know, I think it's just an overall combination of things, uh, the, how, how, how the world is at the moment. It's a combination of the stress. It's a combination of everyone wants to get back out. Like, like we say, everyone wants to travel again. Well, everyone yeah. wants to travel again. Um, and so, uh, you know, I had uh, a guest, uh, not a guest, um, another uh, person on, on a flight that I was on and uh, he got up. Um, we were landing. We were in the final, you know, descent, you know, yeah. the, 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 the final descent and he stands up and he's walking around the middle of the aisle. And then he starts pulling his pants, you know, down below his cheeks and he's just walking around. And uh, then he starts yelling at the flight attendant. He was mid mid plane. The flight attendant in the front of the plane says, sir, can you please sit down? And he starts yelling at her at the top of his lungs and cursing and everything. And we're like, what, what is your problem? Like, why are you even doing this? Well, the flight attendant says over the intercom, she says, well, somebody sit this man down. Oh. Next thing you know, this linebacker size guy stands up and walks over to him, presses him on his shoulder and sits him back into his seat. And he said something to the guy and the guy didn't say another word. Wow. So it, it's one of those situations where if we don't provide the flight attendants and crew with the support they need right now, these things are going to continue to happen. I really think we need to increase the amount of air marshals on board to be able to, because I thought I, I'm a former United Airlines guy from from years ago. I thought there was an air marshal in every flight. Because of these different instances, I've now found out they don't have an air marshal in every flight anymore. So you can verify that for me. I don't want to just throw that out there. But from what I found out, there's not an air marshal on each flight now. I think we need to return to that model, ensure that there's protection on that flight for not only the crew but the guests on board. None of us should have to deal with any of the types of behavior you just mentioned on board these flights, because if we allow it to occur, it's going to spread to other experiences and other parts of our lives. Um, and uh, I just, uh, yeah, it's, it's getting wild out there. And I don't, I don't see it slowing down. Even if they make it $100,000 for a fine, if someone is mentally unstable, that's not even going to register right. in their head that they're going to have to pay. Exactly. So, yeah. But uh, you've got quite the list there and I think we're going to need a new name. There's the mile high club. I think we need another name for the people that enter into this new club and I don't know what it's going to be, but they're going to need that name. <laughs> yeah. I don't know either. And listeners out there, if you have any uh, guesses on that or any, um, suggestions that's the word i'm looking for podcast at travelpulse.com is the email shoot me your thoughts on that and your thoughts on these naughty passengers on the air that's insane that you've had that much and, and you've actually witnessed that because i've been on you know i've traveled pretty much once a month now for the year and like i never had any craziness on that i think i've had you know people remind you the flight attendant say hey make sure you have your mask on and like an excessive amount of reminding people to put their mask on but for the most part people just put it back up and they, they deal with it or whatever and but yeah, to have someone like physically that a passenger to physically, you know, stand down another passenger, it, that should never happen. That that should not be the case on flights at all. But that's where we are right now. And I think that's unfortunately going to be the case into 2022. So, yeah, I think you, the airlines need to en enhance security on board on flights to help these uh, trap, um, the flight attendants because they they're not prepared for this. They're not this should not be part of their job 
to, to deal with some of the level of craziness that has occurred throughout the year. So unfortunately, you know, yeah, they should not have to know how to box like Pacquiao. They should <laughs> be dealing with all the other things that they have to deal with to keep us safe. Um, and uh, I, I wish them all well. Yeah, same, same. So that's where we were, you know, throughout the year. We saw that happen a lot. And in November, you know, you saw it a little bit more, I guess, too, because the U.S. finally reopened to international travel, which led to huge Thanksgiving holiday travel numbers. You finally had new pandemic era records set that week. But then a few weeks later, you had the Omicron variant pop up and it's been shaking things up to sort of end the year. So how has that been for you in the emergence of Omicron? What are you seeing in the industry there? And what do you think is in store for 2022? Yes, I, I am getting cancellations again. So um, what what was happening uh, after when Delta hit its peak, um, we were getting a lot of cancellations again. Um, and Omicron is doing the same thing. Um, the scary part uh, at this moment is that um, it could it could peak. Omicron could peak faster than Delta peaked. And I, that's just my thought process. And the, the problem with that is, people jumped to cancel for Delta and then Delta took longer, but Omicron, if it peaks and drops faster, you get all these cancellations and people didn't really have to cancel their trip. Did you actually have to cancel your March 15th trip? I, I don't think so. Yeah, <laughs> I just, think yeah. you had time. Um, so uh, the, the cancellations we're getting right now um, are, I think, uh, premature. Um, but, um, I understand that people want to be healthy, be safe and ensure that they're not uh, waiting until the last minute. Um, but I think we need to continue to get more information every day. We get more and more information about the effectiveness of booster shots, the effectiveness of, uh, how, uh, the governments are handling these things around the world. Um, and, uh, the effectiveness of your travel advisor will also be your savior, can your travel advisor properly support you to make adjustments when the time comes? That's going to be uh, the, I think, the deciding factor for you. And uh, if you've got a great advisor with you, you should be able to uh, hold out a little bit longer. But I do understand the, the cancellations that are happening for trips that are happening within the next week or two. I understand it. Um, but if it's something for February, March, you know what? Hang on a little bit longer and let's see how we go. Yeah, I'm with you all the way on that. I think people shouldn't be too quick to rush and, and judge what's happening right now. If they do have a trip that is, you know, four, five, six months out on that, let it ride right now and let's see what happens and then, you know, assess things into the new year. But if you're not comfortable with, you know, your trip, you know, the Omicron news popped up, I guess, a couple of weeks ago now. And, you know, if you initially canceled right away for your December 25th, um, you know, holiday getaway or whatever, Totally get that. It's understandable. That's how you felt. You know, it, it's kind of to to each your own as, as what we've had to assess throughout the year. And, you know, now we've got, an, you know, this other variant now. So that's just kind of where you have to go and, you know, take it by stride and everything. So it's certainly tough for the industry, but I think that, you know, we, we can get through this. We've we've done it before. So I think we can power through and, and, and uh, see brighter days ahead into 2022. Which, you know, brings me to the final talking point here. You know, 2021 saw trends of that included, you know, longer trips, a continued focus on domestic travel and the outdoors, reconnecting with family. So I think those are going to be continued trends also for 2022. But Stephen, any any new trends you think might pop up in 2022 that will be a big focal point? Any big predictions you want to make for 2022 travel scene? Go for it. Yeah, I, you know, I would like to uh, definitely say that uh, it's not that we're going to have shorter and shorter trips. 
I think we're going to have more trips within certain countries. So um, once you get into a country, you've done all the legwork, you've done the hard work of getting into that country. You know, five years ago, you'd have someone say, I'm going to visit Italy, France, Switzerland, you know, I'm going to hop up to Sweden. I'm going to do all these different in one trip, right? Okay. That's not happening at the moment, but within those various countries, there's such a variance of uh, and diversity of food and cultures and all of these different things that once you get into Italy, you can get around, you can do some great things. Once you get into Spain, you can get around and extend your trip. Um, I think we're going to continue to see extended trips, but it's going to be contained within certain countries. Instead of just hopping from country to country, we'll have extended trips within those countries. So don't shorten it. Keep that trip a week or two weeks long. Have a great time um, and experience the full amount of culture within those trips. Um, but I think uh, what was so exciting over the last year was getting out to uh, destinations that were remote, uh, such as the Maldives um, and in other islands. Um, but I think uh, we don't necessarily have to do that. We don't have to go to that extreme anymore, um, but we can uh, keep those trips extended as long as we get within a country and move within you'll have flexibility and movement to do everything you need to do. Yeah, I'm with you. I think those are those are great. Uh, and that's great insight, and I think great predictions, too, for what could what we'll see in 2022. I think that was spot on. Uh, if, a month ago, if I was you know talking about this question, you know, the prediction stuff, I really thought the summer of 2022 would be a bigger time for Europe and Europe's recovery. Now, with Omicron and everything popping up, I, I have to kind of taper off that a little bit, unfortunately. I don't think that you – I think well, – Europe's recovery is going to be uh, even harder now. It's going to take an even longer process, which is unfortunate. Same with Asia and South America, too. That's where we're at right now. But so I think domestic travel, U.S. travel is going to be really big again for 2022, especially in the first six months of the year. Q1, Q2, going to be huge on that. Also, Mexico and the Caribbean, no surprise here. I mean, this is not a bold prediction at all, but that's also going to be booming for the first uh, wave of the year, probably the entire year as well. But I will throw out a bold prediction. So uh, my bold prediction of, of 2021, when I did this at the end of 2020 show here, was that we would hit the 2 million passenger mark um, on Memorial Day weekend. I was off by about a week as it happened, um, like the week after. So I think a lot of people traveled like the end of Memorial Day weekend or whatever. And then everybody came back at the same time or whatever for whatever uh, day that was, I guess the beginning of June, I think it was like June 2nd or 3rd when that finally hit the 2 million passenger mark. So I'm going to go out on a bull prediction and say that Thanksgiving 2022, we're going to hit 3 million passengers. It's going to take a while. Obviously it's not going to be, you know, the, the highest ever TSA. This is super bold because the highest ever TSA screening passengers has been like 2.9 and that was 2019, uh, pre pandemic, obviously. So this is super bold. Probably won't happen. <laughs> There's a 3 million mark, but, um, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, you know, going high optimism here and, uh, and, thinking big and, and not really thinking big. I'm hoping big. I'm very hopeful for more positive things here into 2022. So that probably won't hit It'll probably be 23 when we do finally hit a 3 million mark at the TSA screen passengers. Um, and I did have a, the only prediction I had that failed um, in the 2020 show for about, about 2021 was I thought there would be a bigger push in the industry for stronger commissions, higher commissions for travel advisors to honor those that have, you know, basically saving the industry in my eyes, but we didn't really see that a ton. So I'm hoping, you know, I'll, I'll extend that over and hope that, you know, that it can be a, a 2022 thing, but uh, that kind of remains to be seen. But I, I think my big prediction uh, beyond just the 3 million passenger mark, I think cruising is going to do really, really well next year. 
And uh, I could be wrong there as well, but we'll we'll see what 2022 has in store. A podcast at TravelPulse.com. Let me know your thoughts on what you think will happen in the 2022 travel scene and what's going to be the big sector of everything there. So, Stephen, um, any final thoughts and any closing thoughts here as we wrap up the podcast? Hey, you know what? Keep traveling. Uh, get out there. And uh, I, I, I want you to definitely continue to focus all of our uh, listeners here. Continue to focus with uh, Travel Pulse and all the great stories they have. They do some really great things. Uh, Eric and Brian and, and everyone on the team, they're fantastic. So uh, keep looking out for the great news. But I want all of us listening to keep traveling because we are representing uh, the best of the best for travel. And uh, we need to show the world that it can be done. And uh, there are great things out there to see. So uh, I wish everyone the best. And Eric, I think your prediction will come true. So let's go for it. Hey, yeah, three million. Let's do it, man. I appreciate that. And thank you for the the plug there for Travel Pulse and uh, the, the nice th- words there. Um, everyone should go download the Odyssey Travel app. I, I downloaded that earlier this week. Uh, it's a great, great tool there. Searching hotels and, and get familiar with um uh, that new app and the new scene there. So I appreciate your time, Stephen, as always. Thank you. Uh, for your great insights on travel. And it was a wild year in 2021. And uh, here's to hoping for brighter, better days ahead into 2022. Uh, Thanks for listening, everybody. Happy holidays. Have a great week. Enjoy the rest of your year. And we'll talk in 2022. Thanks. 